I believe the reality is that we were not designed to live in stress and anxiety and with worry. We're not living as we were designed. We're, we, we add stress to our lives. We add debt. We add sin to our lives. We do all of these things that create anxiety. And so many of us attempt to excuse our anxiety away. We say things like, it's just how I am. It's just, uh, I was born this way, or I can't help it, or you don't know my circumstances. But I really don't believe that God intended us to live an anxious life. But what we want to do is know, what does the Bible actually say? Welcome to Grace Beyond Sunday. Let's look at that today. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Matt McMorris. I'm the pastor of Grace Valley Church, and I've been teaching through the topic of anxiety for the last several weeks and decided to take that teaching, condense it down into shorter segments, put it in a podcast that you can kind of hopefully just kind of in a drive to work or something be able to listen to or go back and review, and hopefully it'll be a help to you. This is the third uh, part of this series. And so if you've missed the first two, go back and take a listen to those. It, it doesn't necessarily go con- uh, sequentially, but they are all super helpful. So I'd encourage you to take a listen uh, to those as well. You can find everything on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Um, and so it's all there. But wherever you're at, would you do me a favor? Would you like or subscribe or leave a review or post a comment or a question or something that would just help. If this content is helpful to you, it would mean the world to me to be able to help more people if possible. And the algorithm likes to see people watching, watching all the way to the end or listening to the end or uh, leaving those kind of comments and things. All of that helps. And so if you if you would be so kind as to do that for me, I would really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me. And then share it on your social media. Tell somebody, hey, check this out. This will be a help to you. That would be a blessing to me as well. Well, I want to read a Bible verse to you because I think this sets the stage for what we're going to talk about today, okay? So Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 6 and 7 to set the stage for what we're talking about. And here's what the Bible says. Do not be anxious about anything. I I, I mean, that's, that's pretty specific right there, right? Do not be anxious about anything. And it goes on. But in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, there's only two points that I kind of want to make from this text that I think will help you with, uh, with your anxiety and if you're dealing with anxiety, and, and they're pretty simple, okay? So the first one I want us to look at is this idea of don't be anxious, like, it's just right there in the text. It says, do not be anxious about anything. And this is, this is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's uh, present tense. Like, you, continually, don't ever be anxious. You should not be a person that lives with anxiety. It's not God's plan. It's not God's intention that we would live with anxiety. There aren't any prerequisites to this. Oh, that's a hard word. Say that five times fast. There aren't any prerequisites to this as well. It doesn't say, don't be anxious about anything unless it's really, really bad. It doesn't say, don't be anxious for anything unless it's a life-threatening thing. It doesn't say, don't be anxious um, unless other people will have a, a different view of you. It doesn't say, don't be anxious unless it's a culturally sensitive topic. It says, don't be anxious about anything. And to be clear, there are, on occasion, and I think less than we often think, in my opinion, people with real medical issues 
who could use a doctor to help them with some uh, some medical anxiety that comes up. But for so many Christians, we're outsourcing to the medical community what God has designed us to be able to handle through his word. And so for most of us, most of the time, do not be anxious about anything. The verb be anxious is present imperative, which is a command, not just an exhortation and not something optional, that would be nice to do if we decide to do it. I got this in a commentary. The present tense, in fact, calls for this to be the the habitual practice in the life of believers. Why? Well, I think one good reason is this. I heard uh, Pastor John Piper, a Bible teacher and author, say this. He said, worry or anxiety makes God look bad. What a powerful statement. Worry or anxiety makes God look bad. I think it's so incredibly important that that we're very careful to make sure that we're not misrepresenting God, because when we live a life of anxiety, when we live a life of worry, that tells people around us that we're not convinced God's in control, or we're not convinced that God is able to handle it, or maybe we, we, we worry, and it tells the people around us, like, They've maybe never seen God handle a situation like this in the past. But God is able to do all things. God is the, the, the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the universe. I don't think we have anything to worry about. So when we live in worry, when we live in anxiety, we don't represent God very well. And when we have anxiety, we cast doubt on God. And so this verse says, Christian, don't be anxious. And in this verse's context, Paul had just taught them about the presence of the Lord. In other words, we can keep this command only in so much as we are filled with the Spirit. The more we are filled with the Spirit of God and the more we are living close to the Lord, the more we're able to live without anxiety. This isn't a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of a command. This isn't just a, you know what, just dig deep and don't have anxiety. That's not what it's talking about here. It's a command that's based on what we talked about last week, the gospel, that the gospel of Jesus has changed us and has made such an impact on our lives that we don't have to bear our anxiety. So as God often does in his word, he gives us an action plan. He says, don't be anxious, but it doesn't just stop there. He gives us a bit of an action plan and says, okay, so since you're not supposed to be anxious, what should you do? And this is where things get really practical. You say, okay, fine, Pastor Matt, I I hear you. The Bible says don't be anxious, but you don't understand. I struggle with anxiety, and I don't want to. It's not my preference. I don't like it. I'm not carrying around this anxiety just because it feels good. I loathe it, but what do I do about it? Well, in order to not be anxious, first of all, you have to understand the gospel, and you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But then he gets really practical. And so there's a few texts we're going to look at over the next few weeks, uh, or the next few episodes of the podcast. But but what I want us to see is uh, this particular one, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Now it goes on, and it says, not only should you not be anxious, but that you should do something. It says, do talk to God. We cannot eliminate anxiety on our own. We need the power of the Spirit of God. And for that to be feasible, we must spend time with God. Let me put it to you this way. Too many people who suffer from anxiety turn to medication before even considering a turn to God. 
And it happens all the time. We start to get anxious. We start to worry. We start to have that boiling up in us of just like, oh, I don't know what to do. And immediately we turn to maybe it's medication. For some, it might be a bottle. For some, it might be pornography. For others, it might be binging on Netflix. I don't want to be anxious, so I'm going to numb my anxiety with something. But the Bible says, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, here's a convicting question, and I, I, I don't love this question for myself because it's, it's convicting even for me, but here's a question I have for you. How much do you pray? And I'm not talking about um, just like, thank you for the food kind of stuff. Uh, and, and I guess even if we added most of that up, it's still less than a couple minutes a day, even if you're doing that. But how many people are really spending devoted, intentional time in prayer? How much do you pray? I mean, if you were to add up all of the minutes you spent in prayer from from the the beginning of the week until the end of a week, you just take one week's time, say say from a Sunday morning when you wake up until a Saturday night when you go to bed, if you were to add up all of the minutes, would it equal half an hour? Would it equal an hour? Would it equal six hours? I don't know. Like, how much time do you actually spend in prayer? Martin Luther once said this. He said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much busyness I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never spent three hours in prayer in a single day by myself. Like, it's just not, I've, I've not done that. I wish. I'd love to. That ought to be a goal that, that we all have is that we would be able to spend three hours in one day in prayer. And, and, and Martin Luther is saying, I'm so busy that I can't help but spend a few hours in prayer. And we might look at that and say, man, there's no way. I don't have three hours to give. But yet we can watch a three-hour football game. We can watch a three-hour baseball game. We can watch a hockey game, although I don't know why you would because that's incredibly boring. Or you could you could go shopping for three hours. There's lots of things we do, and we make time for those things. But we never just stop, or we rarely just stop and pray. And the Bible is filled with verses about prayer. Do a word study at some point and just type in what does the Bible say about prayer. Go to, go to Google and just type it in. What does the Bible say about prayer? And you will find verse after verse after verse dealing with prayer. And the, the, it doesn't just say do that. But it says with prayer and supplication. Supplication goes even deeper than just praying. Supplication refers to making known uh, to, to making known one's specific needs, even conveying a sense of an urgent request to meet that need. In other words, that's calling out to God, saying, "God, I, I need this to happen, and, and this needs. I, I need this to happen urgently." Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I need you to fix this. It may mean, God, I urgently need you to fix me. I'm giving you my anxiety. I remember uh, a couple weeks ago when I taught this at our church. I was going through something that was creating some anxiety in me, and I remember having to get on my knees in my office at my chair, and I, I knelt down and I said, God, I'm, I'm coming to you in prayer and supplication because I need you to take this anxiety. I'm giving it to you. It wasn't easy, but I wanted to give it to God. So supplication, making known your specific needs, and maybe even in an urgent manner. Our prayers and supplications are evidence that we believe that God can. Let me say it again. Our prayers and supplications are evidence that we believe God can do something. 
And so when we go to complaining, when we go to anxiety, when we go to worry, what we're communicating to ourselves, what we're communicating to our children, what we're communicating to our friends, our family, our coworkers, is that we doubt God. We make God look bad. But when we go to God in prayer, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I believe you can do something about this. But then it goes on. It says, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving isn't just a holiday that we have in November. Thanksgiving is a life that we're supposed to live, a life of gratitude. Where prayer and supplication say we believe that God can, Thanksgiving is evidence of the fact that we believe that God already has in the past. So included in our prayers, included in our time of supplication, should always be a time of gratitude, a time of thanking God for what He has done in the past. There are times, as I've studied this, and I've really tried to make my life intentional when it comes to anxiety, there have been times where I've sat down and I've prayed and I've said, God, I'm praying for you to intervene here. I'm, I'm bringing supplication to you. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you urgently to help me with my heart on this, but I'm thanking you for what you have done in the past because I know you can do it again. You see, God's not just a genie in a bottle that you just rub the you rub the magic lamp and all of a sudden out pops a genie and I'm granting you three wishes and all of that kind of stuff. No, he's a he's a father, a heavenly father, but a father who loves us and who provides for us. A father who deserves some gratitude for all of the blessings that he has done for us. I love doing things for my children. I have three children, and I love doing things for them. And uh, the other day, we went somewhere, and uh, I took them to the driving range. And two of them love golf. The other one loves not being at home. And so we we went out, and we just went to this kind of an indoor-ish driving range where it's kind of covered, and, and you still have the driving range, but there's heaters because I live in Wisconsin, and you got to have them. Um, and so we went there, and we bought a couple buckets of balls, and, and we spent some time at the driving range, and we got Chick-fil-A because, thank God for Chick-fil-A, and after we were done with that evening, we were on our way home, and, and all three of them, Dad, thanks for taking us tonight. That was so much fun. It was a simple little gesture that meant the world to me, that, that they noticed that I had done them a kindness, and I did it out of love. I didn't do it with any expe- expectations of anything in return. I didn't do it so, I, look, I hit fewer golf balls than I would have thought I would. Like, I let them hit most of them, and I was helping them and spending time with them and laughing with them and loving on them. But the gratitude meant the world to me. How much more does our Heavenly Father appreciate it when we just say, God, thank you for what you have done? The more gratitude we express, the less anxiety we feel because we're thankful for what He has done and we're not worried about what we need Him to do. Let your requests, it goes on, with prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? because he's the one that can actually do something about it. When you go to your fellow coworker about something that's driving you nuts at work, it doesn't reflect well on God. Hey, I've been there before. I worked in a factory, and I sometimes complain to the people on the line with me. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm saying I need this lesson. But when I don't have anxiety, when I just live righteously and I take my prayers to God, it shows that I believe that he is the one that can do something about the problem that I'm having. Why do we bring our request to God? Because He understands the need. He's the one that knows what that need is, and He's the one that's capable of doing something about it. And because prayer shows that we are relying on Him. That's how we communicate with Him. That's how we cast our cares on Him, is through the act of prayer. And then really what's interesting is that the results really speak for themselves. When we 
when we say, I'm not going to live anxiously, I'm going to live a life of prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and I'm going to talk to God about it, what happens? Verse number seven, and the peace of God. How many of us would just love peace? I mean, ask, ask any Miss America pageant, right? Uh, what, what, what do you hope for the world? I hope for world peace. Man, we would just love some inner peace. We love peace in our home and our families. And the Bible says, and the peace of God. And get this, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it cannot even be understood how much peace it is. We can't even explain it. We can't understand it. It's not even possible. But when we go to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, there's a peace that we cannot even understand. And what does that do? It guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is the opposite of anxiety? Peace. No doctor can explain the kind of peace that God gives us. No medicine can outdo it. No amount of alcohol can give us the peace that we get from God. It's not possible to understand this peace. And it's a peace that does what? It guards. What does a guard do? A guard stands there and doesn't allow anything that that isn't supposed to to come in. So how do I keep anxiety out in the first place? I go to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving before it even becomes an issue. Preventative prayer, talking to God, let your request be made known unto him before the problem even happens. I'm going to God, I'm talking to him about my financial situation. I'm going to God asking for the raise or the promotion or the relationship or the medical outcome or whatever. I'm going to God in advance because the guards then, the guard of peace, stands at the door of my heart and it keeps me from going into that dark place of anxiety. So it's a preemptive practice. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving keep your heart and your mind from future anxiety. So not only does it help with the anxiety that you're experiencing today and this moment, but it's also designed by God to be preventative for the anxiety that you almost certainly will have in the future if you don't live a life like this. Christian, we are not designed by God to have anxiety. We are not supposed to have anxiety. It's not his plan for you to live with anxiety. So if you sit here and you say, well, Pastor Matt, you don't understand. I'm just anxious by nature. Then you're anxious by sin nature, and you don't have to be. Unless there's literally a chemical issue wrong inside of your, your brain, which can happen on occasion, unless that's the case, the anxiety that you have can be dealt with. And you say, have you ever experienced that? Yes. And it's not always, it's not always, sometimes I think we like anxiety because it's like, I don't like what's happening and I'd rather feel anxious about it than just give it to God. Because when I give it to God, I'm letting go of control and we love control. We do. We love the feeling of thinking we have the power to manipulate the situation. And when I give my request to God and I pray and I resort to prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, I'm giving it to God and he's the one that's going to deal with it. I no longer have a say in it. And that means that I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of not only the anxiety, but any perceived control that I have. And the reality is you don't have any control over it anyway. It's why you feel out of control. It's why you feel anxious. And it's why I think that peace doesn't even make sense. It surpasses our understanding because when I let go of control, when I let go of anxiety, God comes in and he says, I've got you. He's that heavenly father who says, I've got you. And believer, if you will, through Christ and the gospel that we talked about in the last episode, if you will just give it to God through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, I believe that you can live a non-anxious life. 